a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Through Their Eyes on KSL News Radio, where I get a chance to speak with some of Utah's young people and ask them about issues that have been on the news and get their thoughts and ideas. And recently we had a story that came out about how more and more of Utah's uh, school-aged kids are being homeschooled at various ages and for a number of different reasons. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And I want to start with you, Gwenlian, because you are, in fact, being homeschooled. Talk to me about this. Um, so ever since before I was born and any of my siblings were, my parents decided that they wanted to homeschool us. And I was kind of curious about it for a long time. And I hadn't asked my parents why, because they decided, and they both went to public school, and they decided before they had kids. Um, but I asked them about it a couple of years ago. And they said it was because they wanted us to have flexibility in our schedule and to choose the subjects that we wanted to learn about and to be able to progress at our own pace. Um, And there's a lot of different reasons in the homeschool community for homeschooling, but that was one of ours. And I really enjoyed it because I feel like I have a lot of control over my own schooling and a lot of control over how well I learn because I'm able to learn in the ways that are best for me. Wow. Do you still have, I mean, people, these are the kinds of things I think that people would be curious about. Do you still have tests? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we want to, like depending on the kind of programs we choose. Do you still have book reports? If we want to. <laughs> Do you have, does it feel like a, a rigorous form of study? No, not at all. Do you feel like you're getting a quality education in homeschooling? Yes. Perhaps more so? so? I feel like for me, it's worked a lot better than the public schooling curriculum would have because of just how well I am at adapting to new things that I'm put in for schooling um, and how self-motivated I am. So it might not work for everyone, but because I've always been that type of self-motivated person, it's worked well for me. Interesting. What about for you, Heidi? I've been homeschooled for my my whole life, um, and I've really loved it. It's provided a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't otherwise have. Um, Like what? My family and I have been able to live in Guatemala, and we are able to travel there frequently because of the freedom that we get from homeschooling. I just got back from there a couple of days ago. And so the opportunities that I have been able to gain because of homeschooling have been really awesome because I learned things from being able to travel there that I wouldn't learn anywhere else. And So the world is your classroom. Yeah. Fascinating. May I ask what you do in Guatemala? We like to do a lot of humanitarian um, stuff, and especially this last trip was very much related to education and helping the children down there to be able to receive the quality education that I receive. So. That, that is just fascinating. What about for you, if you wouldn't mind? Um, I was homeschooled most of my life, and for me it was, like, it was really nice because um, I wasn't being held back because other students weren't quite to my level, and I, was, and I could get ahead if I wanted to. Or 
um, it wasn't like the whole class was waiting on me because um, if I needed to stay study in one subject for a longer time, I could do that. Whereas if there's something I could that I got really easily, I could just move on and then just really focus on the stuff I really liked. So going at your pace was really helpful for you. Yes. Wow. Um, what about, can I ask the question that some people want to know, which is what about socialization? What about being out with other kids? Did, did you feel like you were missing that at all? Um, not really. Like with homeschooling, like there's a lot of other people in Utah that do homeschooling. And so there's co-ops and other groups. And then with speech and debate, like there's a ton of other kids that do it. And so I'm, I'm, it's not like I do everything at home. Like I go to classes in other places and I get to see a lot of people and make tons of friends. So you have lots of friends through those programs and other programs. Yes. That is so interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, I want to change topics and ask you about, um, a difficult conversation, and this came up in light of these recent shootings that we had um, after the one in the Walmart in El Paso. Um, Walmart came out and said that they were they supported um, stronger background checks. They said that they um, you know wanted to look into red flag laws, and they said we should have a conversation about banning assault weapons. They didn't say necessarily if they were for it or not, but they said we should have the conversation. So where are you on all of this, Heidi? I think it's an important um, discussion for us to talk about and that we can get different people's opinions on it. Uh, the Justice Department over more than 20 years has been studying um, targeting weapons uh, versus targeting people that are high, at high risk for um, committing mass shootings. And what they've discovered is that as we choose to focus on targeting the person um, and helping them with mental health issues, we're better able to decrease the amount of gun violence. And so I believe that it's important that we really focus on the root issue, um, which is mental health. Mm, what do you think, Hunter? Um, I feel like the we- assault rifles, like they're important to America. And like w- what Heidi was saying, like I don't think that it's not guns that kill people, it's people that kill people. And so I don't think that the guns are the problem, the full root of the problem, because they're only part of it. And the biggest part of the problem is the people who are who are actually able to go and kill people. When you say assault rifles are important to America, what do you mean? So I feel that it's, there's a reason that the Founding Fathers put in the Second Amendment, and I don't think they just meant like small firearms. I think they meant basically like everything from pistols to assault rifles and like these these guns aren't just a way for us to protect ourselves against other people they're also there for us to protect ourselves against our government hmm. what, what do you make of all this Gwenlian? um i was actually researching this a little bit before um and i was looking up like the gun violence in other countries and the kinds of gun laws that they have there. Um, and in Honduras, the highest worldwide gun violence, you're not allowed to possess assault weapons or um, automatic weapons, homemade firearms, armor-piecing ammunition, or anything like that. Um, but they have the highest uh, death rate by gun violence, with 60 out of 100 deaths being gu- by gun violence. So I kind of agree with what Heidi said about how the root cause is mental illness and the problems that lead to them. Um, going and shooting and killing people. Um, And it's not about the weapons that they use. Mm. I want to ask you about um, 
I guess we could call it a related topic. Mm-hmm. And that is this thing we were talking about before we went on the air. This, this was a 15-year-old boy in Florida who is playing a video game. And he writes a threatening message in the chat room of the video game saying, I'm going to bring my parents' gun to school and shoot seven students. Very specific threat. And police show up at his house and they arrest him and they charge him with a felony. And his mother is in tears. You can hear her on the cop cam video recording. She's in tears saying, He's just a boy. This was a joke. It's not real. He's just a kid. And I wonder, how do we balance this? He, how do we, what is the proper response in your minds to a young person making a threat like that in, in, the, in the day and age of shootings like the Parkland shooting? What, what do you make of this, Hunter? Um. It's it's very serious. Like that's really like that's something we that's a problem. And I'm not really sure exactly how we need to go about it, but I we definitely need to like figure out different solutions. Like whether it's by um, letting these kids know how serious of a matter this is. Like because of these things, people have died, um, or whether it's something else. We just need to. We need to make people more aware. We need to make it so that people stop making these threats. But I don't think that, like, we still have freedom of speech, so we still need to be careful of, like, how we deal with this. Right. Freedom of speech, though, we know is not a completely uh, unfettered freedom. Right, Gwendolyn? I mean, there are restrictions even on freedom of speech, and perhaps mm-hmm. a, a threat of life is one restriction. But I, I what's your thought? Um... I think the biggest problem is that when people make threats like this, they don't realize how serious it is. Um, And I know a lot of people who will say really dramatic things like that, like, oh, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill somebody. I mean, they don't realize how serious of a statement that is. So if there was a way to help them understand, like, what a big threat they're making when they say that and how it's a really big deal if they say something that's so penetrating and so um, threatening like that and help them understand that it's not appropriate to say things like that to other people, especially people that you don't know well and who might interpret it in a way that you don't mean if you don't mean it that way. Is that something that kids say? Do kids say that kind of? Do they? Yes. And they don't understand that it is not only serious, it's a felony in some, or could be in right. some cases. Could be if they make it um, written and in that written in that that um, specific. Mm. What do you say, Heidi? I think it's important, like they said, to really focus on explaining to kids how how serious of a of a thing that is to say and to focus on the reality of what they're saying and. At the same time, it's important to think about what could have happened if nothing had gone on and he had gone in and shot those seven kids because the mom feels devastated that, they're do- that the law enforcement is doing something about what he said. But at the same time, she would have felt even worse, I think, if those kids had been killed by her son. It's a good point to bring up. Um, any other thoughts on this topic? I want to ask you about, there was a... a a study that came out that nearly one in five Utahns is suffering with depression, but we're not getting the help we need. 
Nearly one in five Utahns is suffering with depression. Uh, First of all, that just stopped me. And then that we don't, we're not getting the help we need. Adults are not getting the help they need. Children are not getting the help they need for a number of different reasons. We don't have access to it. The deductibles are too expensive. It's a whole bunch of different reasons. Gwendolyn, talk to me about this. I think a lot of the time what happens is that people don't realize how serious it is what they're suffering with. Um, I know a lot of people who have suffered with depression and anxiety and multiple mental illnesses like that. But because of the uncomfortable kind of, not stigma exactly, but the uncomfortable situations surrounding mental illness where people are afraid to talk it talk about it um they're not comfortable talking about it and people don't really get the information and the details of things like that that are pertinent to the mental illness um so i think there needs to be more education there needs to be more talking about depression and how it affects people's lives and how it really is something serious that you should get help for and it's not weak to ask for help because you feel like you are in a bad position yeah Speak to me about this, Heidi. I think that it's something that we need to be talking a lot more about because it's a lot more prevalent than people think. As I talk to my friends, I know a lot of them struggle with self-esteem issues. And hearing the things they say, the thing that's even worse than the the negative things that they're saying about themselves is the fact that when they talk to me about these issues, they feel like they're completely alone. Whereas I've just had the same conversation with another friend. And it's like a one-on-one conversation that they have where I feel like we should open it up and all talk about it because it's something that so many kids struggle with. And how do we know the difference between one person who needs to have a good talk with a best friend and another person who may need medical treatment, who may have a brain health issue? I, w- I want to err on the side of, of seeing a, or of getting treatment. I don't know. Does I, that- yeah, I think that's a really difficult line to be able to draw, and I think it comes with talking about it first because then we can communicate when there's signs that are dangerous and that they need to be talking to a professional for help. And so I think it starts with communicating about the issue. Yes, Hunter, please. Um, I think that, like, as Heidi was saying, we need to talk about it first. But, like, once we've started talking about it, like, w- whether friends, parents, teachers, if they notice that one person or another person, like, they're, they're having, like, more um, intense depression than other people then they need to like figure out a way to like either get to get them to professionals so that they can get the help they need. Mm. It's hard to, to you know it's hard to make people do that sometimes. I mean, you know you can take even a, even a child you can take uh, to a counselor and but you can't make them talk. You know, I guess you can take them and just hope that they will open to the help that's being offered, but you make a good point. You take them and you avail them of the help and you hope that something happens. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like, like, I feel like if we, if we talk about it first, like friends to friends, parents to kids, etc., then they'll be more willing to open up about that. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, I want to skip down and ask you this question because I, I heard this wonderful conversation on one of our shows the other day. Um, we have a, a, a wonderful man here named Boyd Matheson. And he was talking to all of these experts and asking them, will America be okay? We've had so much negative news. I mean, it's the shootings and the economy and all of these things. And so he asked George Will and all of these other Sherry Dew and, and these thought leaders, will America be okay? And their answers were inspiring to me. Um, in fact, George Will is the one that comes to my mind where he said, remember, people are trying by the thousands, maybe by the hundreds of them, to get into this country. 
we are in a good position. We need to remember and not just be intellectual about it, but be cheerful. Yes, our best days are ahead. When I ask you this question, Heidi, will America be okay? What do you say? As a young person, I I can't wait to hear the three of your answers. I think that there's a lot of hope for our country, despite the negativity that we sometimes feel from the news or that is on the news, and that that comes from what our founding fathers, the way that they set up the Constitution and the high standards that they held for us as a nation. And I think that's something that we need to be doing to keep our country strong is keeping our standards high. And I think that one of those big issues comes when we focus too much on... um, We focus too much on tolerance because if you look up the literal definition of the word tolerance, it's an acceptable deviation from one standard. And I think we need to be focusing on instead respectfully sharing our opinions instead of standing back and being quiet because we're trying to be tolerant of another person's opinion. Interesting. Hunter? Um, Yeah, like I feel that um, like Heidi, like we, we need to, instead of being tolerant, we need to like maybe even raise our standards back to where they were but i i feel like in the long run america is going to be okay because the majority of america in my opinion is good it's good please william um i actually wrote this down while i was listening to that podcast um in the will america be okay he says yeah we have big problems but we have big problems because we have more opportunities than any civilization in the history of the world and that's something to be very positive about and that just really struck me because I was thinking about how many things we have to be positive about and to look forward to and to see in the future of America. Um, And we've overcome huge life-threatening and country, nation-threatening things in the past, like world wars and civil wars and slavery and things like that. And I think if we can overcome that as a country and if we can get through it in one piece and if we as a people can stay united under the same core values that we've had ever since we were formed as a country, then we have so much to look forward to and so much to be positive about if we can just be united. Brilliant. Um, all right, let's see. I, I want to make sure we get one of these two in. Would you rather talk about, in case we get booted out, would you rather talk about um, the new immigration policy or the way we cover mass shootings in the country? Any choice? Um, probably the way we cover mass shootings. All right, I'll start with you, Hunter. Um, I, th- I was fascinated by this. The Columbia Journalism Review says says the way we are covering mass shootings threatens public safety. There is data to back this up because the way we cover mass shootings um, encourages, makes a promise of sorts to the next shooter that if you commit an act of this kind, this much coverage will occur. And I want to. I want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Freudian slip there. Can you speak to me as a as a, a young person, as a thoughtful person, perhaps even as a a student of journalism? What do you see as the problem, as the solution, whatever comes to your mind? Um, yeah, I've like in the news, like we hear about all these shooters who, like their role models are sh- other shooters, and we. I I don't think that I think that newspapers etc news stations they need to be the ones that are like okay we're gonna choose not to um, tell who this person was 
we're just going to give the um, we're not going to we're going to recognize them as far as we can to recognize that they're a shooter and that this thing happened but we're not going to give like any name recognition face recognition recognition so that other people don't see them and be like I, w- I can be recognized if I do this terrible thing and um but I don't think that like I feel like news stations should be the ones to be like okay we're going to we we're going to decide to do this so you think that perhaps announcing that it happened without naming the offender and then do you think we should move on is it that we stay on the topic too long or what other changes do you think um i th- i don't think we stay on the topic too long because it's an important topic and we need to like know more about it but i think that we need to focus more on like the good things that happened during that like this happened and this is what people are doing to help it to keep it from happening again please Gwenlian. um there's kind of a general rule in the media that you don't cover suicides extensively because right. we found that it raises the rates of suicide. Um, and so I think we can kind of apply, apply that same sentiment to covering um, sh- mass shootings in the media. Just like Hunter was saying, um, there are a lot of people that look up to shooters or current shooters that do that. And if we could make it less about name recognition and less about the shooter and more about the victims and the terrible things that the shooter has caused, that it would be seen more as a tragedy and less of a spectacle. Do you think there's too much coverage? Um, I think that kind of depends on the kind of coverage you're talking about, because it's definitely important to make people aware of what has happened. But I don't think it's necessary to focus on one single occasion and just talk about the deaths over and over and over again without having any meaning behind it. Mm. Definitely. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Definitely. I think if there is a purpose to the coverage and a difference that they're making to keep going on with it. But when there isn't much going on with the actual reporting, then that's where I think that it becomes too much. Heidi. I think that the one name people always remember after a shooting is that of the shooter. And I don't think that that's the most important thing people are getting out of the media. I think I think that there's not too much coverage, but that the coverage, the type of coverage the media is doing should change and that we should be focusing on the heroes that were part of the shooting and of the healing stories and how people can help after the shooting instead of focusing on the tragedy that occurred, but focusing on how we can um, heal and learn and grow as a country. Mm. Such great thoughts. Thank you, all three of you. Stop it.